This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, when you use promo code DNVR, you can make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. And that's only with promo code DNVR and only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does each and every week, the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet, as well as the voice of the Drew Goodman podcast, it's Drew Goodman. What's up, Patrick? How are you, man? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Enjoying some, uh, some a little bit of downtime between the All-Star Game festivities. I know you're doing the same. It's nice to kind of catch your breath just a little bit during this time of the year. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, last year was a whirlwind in that it was awesome because we all got to, um, you know, partake since it was in Denver. And it was tremendous. The city, you know, was still kind of coming out of COVID and, and the city really, I thought, um, looked great, et cetera. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. But this year, I know you were going to go and then and then opted uh, not to go. But, um, you know, to have four days off when you do what we all do and you live it every single day and, and you're traveling all the time, it, it really is, whether you're a player or a broadcaster or a coach, to, to kind of let your hair down for a moment um, you know, it was much needed. So kind of raced up to the mountains and, and spent uh, some time up here. And I'm actually taking the first two days off of the a series in Milwaukee. Jenny's going to fill in and I'm going to go watch, uh, headed to the Midwest, watch uh, Zach, one of my boys play tomorrow uh, or for a couple of days and then, uh, and then head up there. So it's been good. That's something that last year when, uh, you know, we, we've been doing this thing for over a year now, I hadn't really thought about the whole aspect of, you know, the, the Rockies broadcasters not really getting that same break, right? Because the All-Star game is right in your backyard. And in addition to that, it's coming off the heels of that 60-game season. So it's like that must have just felt like a 250-game season last year compared to the previous year. It just had been – it must have been just an extra extra level of grinding that, that went down in 2021 for your, for you guys. You know, y- yes and no. First of all, number one, and, and, I, and I don't say this in a – in a frivolous manner. I've, I've said this to you before and, and you and I have become good friends. So you know this to be true. I, I, and I know this is true for you as well, is that we are really fortunate to do what we do. We love to do what we do. Um, and so I was, and it's how we make our living too. So believe me, we were thrilled when they got back 60 games. We wish it was 162. And then last year we weren't traveling. So it was, a challenge and we had talked all about that in the past it was a challenge doing the road games out of the studio it's not the same thing from an information standpoint from a broadcast standpoint from you know a clarity in what you're seeing standpoint but when the game was over i drove home and i love I, I i do enjoy being on the road so now when the game's over and we're coming back home you know we don't leave the ballpark for an hour and then we go to the plane and and it's not listen it, it's it's great, but it's it's different. So you're kind of back in that mode again this year of what it used to be like, and and I embrace it, man. It's it's a it's a fun grind. Yeah, you've actually taken that in stride because you're still going out, you're running, you're getting your exercise in, you're still finding time to to go out after the game and, and grab a bite to eat and stuff. But again, that's that's the first time you've been doing that in about three years, I guess, right? Yeah, and and because um, you and I are both runners, I'm not at your level. You're your nut job. You know, you go on these you know two day runs that last for hundreds of miles. But um, I I do enjoy it. It's a sightseeing. It's cathartic um, from a mental standpoint. But it's you have your city like in Milwaukee. I love running out on Lake Michigan and you know run through downtown and then and then out past the art museum on lake michigan it's a great run and and so i really enjoy those we'll be in chicago for for a week straight the latter part of the year and running out on that portion of lake michigan and you know and then down michigan avenue and and just uh, yeah i look forward to it it's how i start my day and um you know and, and then 
I think I said this to you on the podcast. It's probably two weeks ago. Time flies, Patrick. But when we were in, in L.A. at Dodger Stadium, not only the runs in L.A. that um, that I enjoyed, but just being at Dodger Stadium again and all the focus of the baseball universe two days ago and three days ago was on Dodger Stadium. Uh, that's a special place, man. And, and And it was great to be back there. I know we love to hate the Dodgers out here, but you know that's one now. The older stadiums and they still do a really good job of of maintaining it. And you got the you know the the, the mountains in the background, and it, it's special. And so it was good to be back there. Yeah, it's such a such a beautiful facility that I think probably for a while, and maybe the late eighties, nineties, even early two thousands. Didn't we didn't have that same reverence for it, right? Because you, you had all you had a lot of older stadiums, and now with with all the newer stadiums that exist, it's what's the third oldest ballpark now. So it, it doesn't have quite that same history, of course, as Wrigley and Fenway, but it's right there now. And kind of over time, I think you say, okay, yeah, it, it, it's it's not a concrete donut, right? It, it's not from that that generation of the seventies. Um, so it, it does lack obviously some of the modern bells and whistles, but as you said, because of the view and because now it's, it's been there for so long now we can kind of step back and say, yeah, this is, you know, one of the baseball meccas that we have left remaining here in baseball. Yeah. I mean, I I do think there's iconic views. I mean, the San Gabriel's, as we were talking about the palm trees that align, you know, in each bullpen in the corner and, and those bleachers and the, and Sandy Koufax pitched there don drysdale pitched there um there's quite a bit of history because you're talking about 60 plus years uh so yeah you can't say babe ruth pointed out you know like you can at wrigley or you know or talk about ted williams at at fenway or babe ruth you know at fenway i i understand that but it's still it's still a unique and um you know and special venue kirk gibson 1988 world series i mean that's the history Sure. Yeah. yeah still the last, still, uh, you know, one of the last times they, they, they hosted a, a world series. Cause again, we know 2020 was, uh, was down there in Arlington. Again, one of those, one of those strange wrinkles, just like this being only the second all-star game ever at Dodger stadium, which is kind of mind blowing for a stadium that has been around for that long. 1980 was the only other time. I, I didn't catch that because as we'll talk about when we get into the all-star stuff, I, I saw, you know, a part of the game, I was in a, a restaurant and I saw, I, I like to watch the All-Star game and I, and I saw some of the snippets of the audio. And again, we'll, we'll chat about that uh, in a moment. But I did not realize till you said that, Patrick, that it's only the second time they host it. I guess it makes sense because you're really going to be once every 25 to 30 years now, um, you know, and, and that's why last year and, and having my boys all there for me as a dad was so special. Uh, because we're a baseball family, not just because of me, but, you know, my boys playing um, and realizing that, okay, the next time this comes around to Coors Field, um, I'm going to be, you know, older considerably and, and they are. So to be able to share it together, that was special. And I'm sure there were a lot of families that felt the same way. Next season. Twice in Dodger Stadium in 60 years. Wow. I, I had I hadn't either until watching the broadcast. I, I think uh, Seattle hosts next year. I don't think they've announced 2024 and 2025, and then I think 2026. I don't know that they've officially announced it, but I think it's supposed to be uh, back in Philadelphia for the sesquicentennial anniversary of the United States, 250 uh, years for that. So that's kind of fitting. And they also hadn't hosted since 1996. Do the math: 30 years, 30 teams. So it kind of lines up nicely. Shoot, Pat, you know, you know everything, man. I did not know that. But yes, that makes a lot. That does. That makes a lot of sense. And and that's awesome. I mean, and that's one. Start planning ahead. It's four years, Patrick. But we got we got to get there. You and I got to be there for that one. That That's going to be cool. And, and I say that because you're a Jersey boy. I'm a New York guy. Uh, the history of our country. That That's one I think we need to be at. Oh, for sure. I, I was at the 96 All-Star game. So that was that that was a special one for me. And being there for the home run derby and, and being in all the way in the upper deck in left field and McGuire hitting a ball. Like I'm on the concourse area. I'm on, on the middle, middle part of the upper deck and he hits a ball like a row or two below me. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I've got some fond memories of veteran stadium. It was a dump, 
but for for a period of time, it was my dump. And it I'm sure you would say dump. the same about Shea Stadium, right? <laughs> that was your dump. <laughs> I'll tell Patrick a quick story. Um, did you ever? I'm guessing probably not. You, I don't know. You weren't in the media business yet that would have taken you into, you know, the media or broadcast areas of Shea Stadium. Am I? Is that a correct assumption? No, but side note, I did go on a tour there at 12 years old. My uncle had season tickets. We were in the press box. He said, Patrick, ask the guy about the apple. It's nine o'clock at night in the middle of winter. There's snow on the ground all over Shea Stadium. It was unfortunate. Didn't get to walk out there. The guy who's giving the tour said, hey, kid, come here. Hit this button. Pushed a button. And in the middle of the darkness in Queens, that red apple came up and it lit up and it said home run. And it went back down. And so I got goosebumps now even telling that. So that's my inside of Shea Stadium story. Sorry. That's that's really cool. And this is how non-observant I am and what a <laughs> dumbass I am because I grew up, as you know, we're both, you know, big big Mets fans. The the apples at City Field, right? Do they have I mean, I assume they took that. They had to have, right? I think it's on display out in front of city. And then they have like a newer one out in, in center field. So do they do that? If a Met hits a home or does the apple that, I mean, wouldn't you keep I that? Tradition? So. I would Maybe think I, so. I've yeah. never noticed. I'm going to try Nick. We're there in a, in a few weeks. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll wipe the sweat from your eyes, wipe right? The sweat from your eyes, from the humidity, and maybe you'll see the apple right, pop up. Right. So anyhow, really quickly. So this first time I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm calling a, a, a Mets Rockies game or actually, I, actually the first time, I did a game at Shea Stadium. I believe I was doing it nationally for for Fox or FX, and I'm thrilled, man. I'm I'm at Shea Stadium. This was my ballpark, right? We used to sneak in there after games, or stick around, or sneak into the ballpark. So I go to the booth that was where you know Ralph Kiner and and Bob Murphy and Lindsey Nelson and these iconic figures that I grew up on who called the Mets forever right and I walk in there there's why I I'm not you know me I'm not the tallest guy in the world right I, Patrick I'm ducking there's like just loose wires hanging down <laughs> and you kind of sit there and you kind of there's it's just not what you did have expected and it wasn't 2008 when they're getting ready to, you know, demolish the place, uh, you know, to, to make room for the new one. It was right. a little earlier than that. No, no excuses. it was, yeah, it was, it was beyond repair at that point in time, but yeah. In, you know, uh, yesterday I was, I was at an event. I was at a Sabre uh, luncheon that we have, you know, like 30, 35 people show up each and every month, diehard baseball fans, diehard Rockies fans. And it's, it's wonderful hanging out with them at Blake street tavern. It's almost always the third Wednesday of every month. And driving in, you know, into the city and just just looking at the stadium there and just feeling, you know, how, how lucky uh, I am and, and we are to go there. And just that, you know, that's that's the star of, of this franchise is, uh, is the stadium because it's just it's a gem. And the way that the Rockies have maintained it, it's just such a beautiful facility uh, and it, it just embodies baseball right it's it's a it's a baseball mecca now i think at this point and you know for all the other ballparks that were built in and around its its era i don't think people have quite the same amount of reverence for those other state like progressive field in cleveland no uh you know guaranteed rate field in chicago which was a couple years earlier no uh sky dome you know is, is a little bit older and you know was a modern marvel at the time but course field is uh of the newer stadiums it's it's like an instant classic. It's we're we're very lucky uh, to go there each and every day. Yeah, and that and and so for people who who listen to you every day and and you know read you every day, this is not the biased. Uh, you know, this is where we go to work every day. When people who spend their life working in other ballparks come to Coors Field, you hear the same refrain that this is a special place, and you hear it from fans who. Who and there's so many you know great baseball fans that you know try to go to see games over a period of time in in every ballpark and and Coors Field always ranks near the very top in terms of experience in terms of how well it's maintained in terms of you know the friendliness of of the ushers so uh, yeah I I like how you describe that it, that it's you know it, it is so central to to the Rockies beyond just 
the Rockies as a baseball club. I want to talk about the Rockies first half and, and preview the second half, but you know, we were just talking about the all-star game. Did, how did you uh, feel about the, the programming in general, the game itself kind of quiet, right? Five runs scored. A lot of them came early. So uh, on the baseball side, you know, it was, was okay. It was, was good. Uh, but on the entertainment side, uh, how'd you like all the guys that were mic'd up? I thought that was, uh, that was refreshing to, to see that back and forth, particularly between Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino. That was really cool seeing a pitcher and catcher just talking to each other straight up like that. Yeah, I, I have to go back and watch some of the other snippets. I told you earlier because we were in a restaurant, you know, bar restaurant. And we were watching it, and um, I did go back and listen to some of it. I don't um, – I had a, a, a guy that, um, you know, is a huge Rockies fan um, reach out privately and said i don't understand it i enjoyed it but i'm seeing a lot of criticism well that's i guess the the world we live in now especially in the twitter universe you're gonna you're gonna see criticism i think it's a great opportunity from a television standpoint and a presentation standpoint to do exactly what they did mic everybody up take people behind the curtain the more in life that you can or let's just talk about sports the sports world life the more you can take people behind the curtain patrick the better it's going to be for the fan. The experience is better. Um, they they see things they wouldn't ordinarily see, which is awesome. And what better place to do it than an all-star game? Because it doesn't matter at the end of the day who wins. It doesn't. Yeah, the pitchers and the players, they all have a lot of pride. Nobody wants to be made a fool of. Um, but I, I, I thought the premise of it and the execution of it based on what I saw was great was great you're always going to have people who find reasons not to like but i i i'm with you on that yeah, baseball needs to evolve like bottom line. i mean all sports do like in any industry you just have to continue to look you know to, to that evolution and so you you've got to embrace that and even if, even if you might not like it at first and there there could be some different things to work out you just you have to be able to to change with the times and i think baseball is uh, of all of the the four major sports is kind of the 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 most old timey and the most traditional, and I think we're we're starting starting to break those chains. You know, we got the City Connect uniforms coming on, and you know they're a little bit quirky. We're seeing players getting mic'd up. We're seeing bigger and better celebrations. You know, the bat flips and those those unwritten rules of like, you know what? Why not? Why do we do things this way? Let's kind of examine it, and like you said, tear down that that fourth wall, take people behind the scenes, uh, and anytime you can do that again, you you put the players in the game first and foremost. And, and I think people, you know, really want to see that. Um, it, absolutely. A absolutely. And I, I know when, uh, who was it? Was it Manoa on the mound? He's, and he's dealing <laughs> and, and Smoltz says, Hey, throw him the slider here. And he ends up hitting McNeil in the foot. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only place that's going to take place is the third week of July at an all-star game. Do we reach a point in time where maybe occasionally there's that player that can play a regular season game and wear a microphone? I know we mic'd up a guy in the bullpen. Um, I'll leave the name out uh, because it, there was a little bit of controversy that, that took place. Uh, but many years ago, this goes back better part of 20 years ago on, on a Rockies broadcast during the regular season, you know, he was – kind enough to wear a microphone now it wasn't it was live it wasn't live to the truck let's play patrick lyons here and and take him through uh you know something edited and patrick's talking to one teammate talking to another teammate there he is <laughs> hustling and making a catch we've all seen that right well this was live and unfortunately this is why it hasn't been done since he used an inappropriate word and so, you know, the powers that be within the organization naturally said, we don't, we're not doing that anymore. So, um, but again, anytime you can take people behind the curtain a little bit and give them something they haven't seen because the proliferation of sports on television over the last 30, 40 years, most people have seen everything, heard every, uh, you know, type of question asked after games, before games, that sort of thing. So if you can give them something that they, that they truly don't get to experience, I think it's a win.
thanks to everybody knocking down our door on the corner of Colfax in York at the DNVR bar. Look, we're undergoing a little bit of construction right now, but that's to bring you a bigger and better product, a better bar, a better location for all the wonderful watch parties. You saw all the clips for the Avalanche. I mean, they did the heavy lifting, obviously, by lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. But man, we just had fun hanging out, partying. We do it for Nuggets games. We do it for Broncos, Rockies. You name it. It's going to be up and running in no time. In the meantime, you can still become a member to the DNVR.com for only 50 cents for your first month. And while we wait to hang out on the corner of Colfax in York at the DNVR bar, we can all hang out in the members-only Discord where you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes. You can just talk Rockies, pro wrestling, food, all the different topics and different things that make us community that we're interested in. Link up with other people from the Rocky Mountain region or right here in Denver and uh, as we've heard from some folks in the community, they've uh, made some love connections there. So that's always a wonderful thing. Very much like the folks over at Lightshade who are incredibly wonderful and helpful. They know their product so well. They've got the, the top products for cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. But again, what they have more than anything else is the expertise to make sure that you've got the right product and you're not throwing your money away. You're getting the best bang for your buck, whatever it is that you may need. They've got 11 Denver metro area locations. Their sixth Ave location is fantastic. That's the epicenter of everything that they've got going on. But there's 11 in the Denver metro area. And mention code DNVR because they're going to give you 25% off all non-sale items. You can check them out, of course, at lightshade.com. But walk in and get that amazing customer service so they can take care of you the way they've taken care of millions of DNVR members over the years. Yeah, millions. I said it. The one thing Rockies fans haven't seen a ton of is Chris Bryant. Of course, two stints on the IL, uh, missed 50 games. They're 20 and 30 when he's gone. But if you look at what their record has been with him back, including you know the three games he missed for the paternity list, they went two and three there. Rockies have been pretty solid. You know, right now they're 43 and 50. They're fourth place in in the NL West. You know, they're six and a half games back of the third and final wild card. 10th overall in the NL, so they've got a lot of teams to jump. But if you frame it from the perspective of, okay, now they finally got their full squad, and then some because they've got Jose Urania. they got a six-man rotation, which it sounds like the Rockies are going to go with here for a little while. You can say, you know what? This team might be a little bit better, and, and you could get your hopes up a little bit in the second half despite the the seven games under 500 in the first half. Is Is there a little bit of hope there that, you know, there's there's a week and a half before the trade deadline where maybe this is where you can decide if you're going to be buyers, sellers, or or even stand put at the trade deadline. You would think so, Patrick. Uh, the Rockies played really well that last week, and I thought they played well on the road trip. They they would they win three or four in Arizona. I, all the games, even though they were all losses, they were competitive games at Dodger Stadium. Uh, and, and that game Sunday. This is why I'm, this is why I'm not a betting man. Um, yeah, I certainly have never really been that way. But on Sunday, they had a journeyman guy go and a young guy, but the guy with a six ERA basically. And I would and Gomber was going, and the Rockies had all the momentum. They win Sunday. They're five, they go into the break just five beneath five hundred. Uh, you you really like their chance of winning that game Sunday. And unfortunately it really turned out to be not a close game. Uh, so yeah, you're seven under 500. I said this on my podcast last week. I'm sure I've repeated it with you. I'm sure you've, you know, said it, with you you know, and you're by yourself or with Susie that relevancy in baseball begins, especially in the second half at 500. And I know 500 is, is no reason to throw a party, but in baseball, you build from 500 forward, the extra playoff team with the wild card. They're going to have to go on a pretty significant run pretty quickly. Because if you're just treading water for a couple, three weeks, and you're still seven, six, seven, eight games below 500 on August 1st, does that preclude you from making a spectacular run? Of course it doesn't. But I think given the momentum they had the last couple of weeks, they really need to get off to a flying start uh, in the second half. And the other part of it, which I know you've touched on, is that the second half schedule by certain measurements is the toughest in all of baseball. 
Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, a lot, lot less home games, too. Uh, again, nine games on the road in California to end up their season three in San Francisco, and then six weeks in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. So that's rough. So they're they're definitely going to be uh, up against it in that way. But, you know, Brian, I would probably be, you know, he's played really well. And, and I, and after, you know, really finally getting to see him hit in a more uh, elongated period of time, I'm kind of convinced that next year, maybe 2024, he's going to win a batting title. I don't know if you've gotten that sense with, again, we know Coors Field can help make, batting champs. There's been 11 already uh, in 29 full seasons uh, that the Rockies have produced there. But I just get the sense that the way he's able to kind of spray the ball around a little bit, we could kind of see that like second coming of Michael Kadir, a player who, you know, is is going to win a batting title here in a couple of years. Have you, have you had similar thoughts? What's your take on that? Well, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it at all until I was listening to your podcast the other day. And I, and I heard you bring that up with Susie. Uh, and, and make the you know declaration, if you will, just like you did there, that you think that he's going to win a batting title. And I understand why you've arrived at, at that, and I certainly hope it happens. That'd be great. I will throw, because uh, it made me think, well, I was running, and I'm listening to you, and I, and I, and I was like, all right, you know what? Neil Patrick may be on to something, possibly. I would rather see, like, this is where I went with it. I would rather see him maintain a 900 OPS plus for a few years here, you know, the, the uh, central part of that seven year deal, we, we all understand and management understands in any long-term deal, there's probably going to be a drop off, a decline when a player moves into his mid thirties and beyond. Now we're seeing a Renaissance from Charlie Blackman. That's another, another subject. Uh, but the way I spun that in my head as I was listening to you was, yeah, possibly. I mean, Patrick's on to something, but I, if I, if I had to make a choice, I would rather see him produce a 900 plus OPS for the next few years running. I think that ultimately will benefit the Rockies more. Not saying, hey, maybe if he wins a batting title and also hits 30 plus home runs, great, awesome. But um, I, I think that will be. Uh, really significant if he continues to be coupled with a CJ Crone, who's going to be in that neighborhood. It looks like as well. Yeah, for the the sabermetric uh, inclined fans out there, and for anyone uh, that doesn't you know understand maybe c- certain statistics and raw numbers like that, having a, a higher OPS or having an OPS uh, in a certain uh, at a certain level or a certain number is more indicative of winning games than just having a good batting average because you're getting on base, which means you're making less outs. And when you are getting a hit, you're hitting for power. You're getting extra bases. And so OPS, way more important than the batting average element, uh, to your point. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. That would be way more important. Right. And career-wise, Patrick, um, and, and I wasn't dismissing your thought. I found it interesting. I was like, yeah, we've seen it before. We saw it with Kadire. We saw it with Morneau, the, the twin buddies. And it, it, it certainly is a possibility. We've seen him as a good enough hitter. He's an on-base percentage guy around 376 in his career. Um, I think for the Rockies, most importantly, to be the kind of team that everybody hopes they're, they're going to be um, going forward, you need him in that 900-plus OPS. You need somebody with him if it's a C.J. Crone, and you need – you know, a couple of guys, 850 plus. I think Brendan Rodgers is certainly capable of that. And then you're talking about a lineup that has length, that is formidable, that is tough to navigate and can also do damage on the road. Not as significant as there's going to be at home, but can, can still win some games um, by producing offense away from Coors Field. All right. Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, we've, we've seen what those guys have done. Brendan Rodgers, as, as you've touched on. Any first half surprises of, of guys who either maybe in, in long stretches of time or or short stretches, because we've seen about four or five different major league debuts, who would you say has, has been almost like a surprised, undervalued, underrated first half player for the Rockies here so far? Wow, that's a you know, that's a, a, a great question, an interesting question, and a lot of names pop to mind. So forgive me if I don't just give you one or two. And I'm probably going to jump all over the place, but I'll give you right, like off the top, 
Jose Iglesias, I mean, who had him hitting 300 and hitting 360 on the road and now throw, you know, I figured he'd throw out a few home runs that there was none for like three months. And now he's thrown out three pretty significant home runs, actually. Uh, you know, he, he is, he's plays defense with a flair. Sometimes, you know, maybe that gets <laughs> in the way a little bit, uh, but better than I thought he was going to be. And I, and I don't mean that as faint praise. I think the next place I, I, I go, and this is in no particular order. I'm not putting Iglesias in front of whoever I mention after this, but Daniel Bard really struggled last year, especially against lefties. And he lost his closers job on a team that wasn't any good, right? He bounced back this year, and, I, and I'm disappointed for him personally because you know him also, Patrick. This is a smart guy, great guy. Forget just the great story of his return to baseball, but he's a, he's a He's a good guy, and he's been as good as any closer just about in baseball, and that's been a surprise because lefties aren't hitting them, righties aren't hitting them. It get when you're sitting in the press box, Patrick, and the Rockies are up, you know, four to two in the ninth, and and he comes out whether it's home or road, you're pretty much going, hey, it's ball game over now. You you were not saying that a year ago. You were not in in his heart of hearts, but Black wasn't feeling that I'm sure a year ago. So. Nice surprise in that good for him who to to make some tweaks and Daniel Bard's become an elite closer. Uh, real quickly, because I don't want to get super long with Lucas Gilbreth has emerged as a nice piece to protect leads. And it's a bonus that he's on the left side. You know, Tyler Kinley, I, it's such a shame he got hurt. He had taken a real nice step forward um, in, in setting up games. He had pitched at an all-star caliber. Uh, as a setup guy and the other one that that jumps to mind very quickly is the aforementioned charlie blackman in that charlie hit 13 home runs last year all-star break he's got 14 uh you know the slug has been you know completely different uh from a year ago so you know those are the guys that to me have been at some level you know mildly surprising um uh, again on the on the positive side yeah, no, I, I my my list would be very similar, and again, of course, you've got some really great, not surprise performances, but just performances that that jump out or even stretches of of play. Chad Cool did it, you know, did it, you know, Jonathan Daza was over three hundred for a period of time, so you know, everyone's been kind of chipping in, doing doing their thing to to try to make up for that loss of of Chris Bryant uh, in the first half. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if there's any real second half predictions because as you, as we've been saying, you know, a lot, you know, really may depend on what they do during this four game series in Milwaukee. It's a strange one because they've got a typical Sunday day game. It'll be 12, 10 uh, here in Colorado. And then a six o'clock night game in Milwaukee, which is kind of baffling before two games against the white Sox, four against the Dodgers. And then they're out on the road in San Diego. I'll actually be out there. For that, we're going to have some big coverage there for the the trade deadline. Uh, have to go for a run at Balboa Park. It's part part of my job. It's part of my coverage, right? I got to create some uh, fun and interesting content. So I guess I got to do some miles in Balboa Park, as it were. But I think the next couple of weeks might be uh, indicative of that. Anyone that, that you think you know is on the precipice of a breakout, maybe they've already been playing well in the first half, but uh, is, is set to maybe have an even bigger second half here for the Rockies going forward. I'll start with the guy that that you mentioned 15, 20 minutes ago, Chris Bryant. It's gotta, it's gotta begin with Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant and buddy is not shy about saying this in not just privately, but to all the media that gathers, he said this a few times that, Chris Bryant is this is CJ Crone has had a great year. He had, a, he had a really good year last year. He said Chris Bryant is our best, he's our best all-around player. He's our best hitter, and and he needs to be. And he has been that, certainly on that road trip where he hit four home runs. They need a second half of a healthy Chris Bryant and a Chris Bryant who continues to play at the level we've seen the last couple of weeks. That would be number one for me. We need a continuation of what we've seen from Brendan Rogers subtracting April where he's been an 850 plus OPS guy. We need Charlie to continue to do his thing. Uh, and then 
you probably the next guy I would mention for the Rockies to truly make this move we were discussing earlier, where they can win 15 out of 20 and get back, you know, in, in the 500 realm and, and try to build from there. Ryan McMahon, who I, I've seen incremental improvements. Uh, you know, he's getting on base more because he walks more. But seven home runs for a guy who has, you know, light tower power. He'd be the first if he was sitting here with us to say, yeah, you know, it's, it, I'm trying to be a good hitter and I'm trying to get good pitches to hit. But you'd like to see him have a, you know, a 14, 15 home run second half. And I think if he does that, when we talk about, as we were a few moments ago, lengthening that lineup, now you're talking about McMahon hitting in that sixth spot frequently where you go, man, that's that's a handful for any pitcher to uh, to navigate with, um, you know, the aforementioned guys continue at the same level they, they played at in the first half. Outside of an error over the weekend, P had been playing really good solid defense overall in fact there's a lot of defensive metrics out there to suggest that he's kind of you know he's he's back he's 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 good in in a, in a real major way so if he's got the glove the defense stuff down yeah maybe now's now's that right time for the bat to start heating up yeah um because it, it we've seen it in there i mean he's what was last year 24 homers the year before 22 or the or the last full season uh 22 and you were hoping when you and i would talk during spring training. And one of Buddy's things is you don't need a super breakout year from someone, but just like, you know, incremental improvement from some of the younger core where Brendan Rogers goes from 15 homers to 22, 24 homers, where Ryan McMahon goes from 22, 24 homers to 28, maybe 30 homers. And we haven't seen that yet because we know the Rockies have to homer more. Uh, the other one I'd throw out there, he's returned to the big leagues and, and he had, you know, a couple ball games that were you'd constitute as nice, nothing, you know, outlandish. But if Sam Hilliard against right handed pitching, you know, gets opportunities and he can, you know, have a second half where there's a couple games in there. Well, shoot, he just hit a three run homer um, and he had a two homer game and, and, and a little bit of what we've seen in snippets from him in the past. You need all hands on deck to make the kind of run we're talking about, Patrick, especially against a schedule that will be formidable. So, you know, those are those are a couple of areas that or, or a couple of individuals that if they can you know, take that, you know, that step again, that would be you know, real helpful to the cause. I want to talk about the MLB draft and especially your guest this week. Let me, can, real real quick, Patrick. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. I'm sorry. I want to throw more, one more thing because we're talking about position players and and. I don't want to be foolish. The sport's always going to be about pitching. I've said that a million times. And a lot of people who are smarter than I am have said it forever. It will, it will never change. So Herman at the number, at the top of that list, he has to pitch close to, um, or in a, in an ideal world, like the all-star he was a year ago in the first half. It ha it has to begin with him because he's the most talented starter. Kyle Freeland has to fall into line. And for, you know, most of his starts were pretty solid. Gomber, all those guys. We've the, the, Obviously, Jose Urania has been a great story. If that could continue, wonderful. But I, I don't want to leave, leave out that side of thing because it doesn't matter if somebody goes off in the second half offensively. You got to pitch better than they have so far, uh, especially yeah. on the start, in the rotation. And I, and I like how, you know, Marquez has definitely seems to have gotten stronger over his last three, four, maybe five starts. Yeah. You're starting to see those glimpses there. And so uh, thanks to the Pittsburgh Pirates for helping get her men Marquez back to his best, as they do every year. And so we appreciate the Pirates for yeah. that. And millions of folks in the Denver metro area have been missing out on the Nuggets and Avalanche for years some of you even miss out on the Rockies because it might be difficult for you to get AT&T Sportsnet, or maybe you can't afford it. But guess what? Right now, you can get all of that. AT&T Sportsnet, Altitude Sports, even the DNVR Sports Channel that we have on YouTube. You get that right on your own television for only $25 per month, plus the cost of a receiver. And, and even then, that's not accurate because use code DNVR when you go to evaca.tv slash DNVR, and you're going to save $10 off your first three months. So it's even less than that. Never have to worry again about missing out on Nugs, Avs, Rockies. That also extends to Rapids, Mammoth, CSU Rams. I mean, they've got such a great package there for you 
at Ivaca TV. So get yourself hooked up. Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. We know Denver is a major sports town. We got the big four. We also even have MLS. But the other thing that we have is rugby. That's right. We've got the American Raptors. Check out AmericanRaptors.com so you can learn so much more about the sport of rugby. They're doing it right in our backyard. Down at Infinity Park in Glendale, we've got a guy, Colton Strickler, doing amazing things over on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. Amazing interviews with, with players, coaches, some of the best in the world. And he's also giving you really good betting advice when it comes to the Super Rugby, which is already in the middle of their season. It's really fantastic. And again, Learn a little bit more about the game of rugby. Kids 12 and under, get in for free. So find all that information out about, again, some of the greatest athletes that this country has produced. Now they're learning the game of rugby, and they've picked it up very quickly. They are very good. Watch them and enjoy them. Go over to AmericanRaptors.com so you can get your tickets for the next big event down at Infinity Park in Glendale, Colorado. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast is... Danny Montgomery, and he goes into a lot about this year's this year's crop of of picks that they got twenty two picks. Four of the first fifty were really nice. Before I get into that, uh, I figured I'd ask you a trivia question since I'll tie this in. We've got the Hall of Fame inductions going on this weekend, uh, which is really exciting. Six guys, obviously headlined by David Ortiz, and in my book, also headlined by Buck O'Neill. But uh, forty five current Hall of Famers were drafted and you know obviously had great careers i'm not going to have you name all 45 of them uh the first was johnny bench in uh in 1965 but my question to you is this how many hall of famers right now were drafted in the 1990s what do you think about that one yeah doesn't seem that long ago right 1990s but there's a loud motorcycle in the background i apologize I thought it might have been a hummingbird, but I'll, we'll, we'll go with a Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a big <laughs> hummingbird. Um, in the 90s, well, Patrick, if you were born in 90, it would make you 42 right now. 32. So I'm going to say David Ortiz. I'm going to say, I, I'm doing a bad job of this, but I'm going to say Two or three. I got to pick one. I'll say three. You you went the right way. Four. I was. I, I don't know that I was surprised. It was just something I hadn't thought about. You had Chipper Jones going first overall in 1990, and Mike Messina in the 90 draft. Derek Jeter in 92, and then in 1995, Roy Halladay. So four oh, in the but, 90s. I thought that's yeah, kind of neat. By the way, I screwed that up. I made it age instead of draft year. That was that was silly. Um, <laughs> So I probably would have gone higher than that, but um, so good. I'm I'm glad I messed it up. But four. Okay, yeah, there you go. All right, we'll we'll edit that out. Oh, you nailed it. Four. Look at that. Yeah. See, that's you got a streak again. Eight in a row here. Hey, real quick, did you see? I, I forget where it was mentioned. It wasn't your podcast. I was listening to. I. Oh boy, I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but the 1971 All Star Game, Patrick, and you read everything. 1971 All Star Game, I want to say featured 26 future Hall of Famers, and then there were, and then of the guys that didn't make it to the Hall of Fame, Joe Torre, who will make it as a manager, Bobby Bond, um, Mickey Lolich, some. Look back when you get a minute, and, and you got to do something. Maybe next week we'll do it on, on your show. The '71 All Star Game, and it was at Tiger Stadium, and Reggie Hall of Famer. There was a ton of home runs. Reggie hit the one over the, you know, at a Tiger Stadium. It was like a who's who. The '71 All Star Game, twenty-six Hall of Famers. Wow. Yeah, that's that 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 was an all-time classic one. How that just comes together for that yeah that that's been something that i wanted to kind of go back and review like uh, comparing the 98 all-star game in colorado how many hall of famers there are and how, how many hall of famers there will be because we know there's a lot of the steroid era guys and then kind of saying all right well in 2021 how many hall of famers did we all see down there on course field of course guys you know so many of them are just starting their careers but it would be fun to kind of think you know are there more hall of famers in 21 or 
1998? You know, it's, it's going to be a while until we know that answer, but it's always fun to, to speculate on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be fun to look back and, and, uh, and guess. And, and sometimes you, you say guys are on a hall of fame trajectory, but injuries, you know, derail their career. I mean, right now, Shohei Otani would be on a Hall of Fame trajectory, but his career is only a few years in length. And and if God forbid, you know, he were to get hurt or, or something else unforeseen, you go, yeah, well, there was that three or four year period where he was the most captivating guy in the sport, but it, but it was such a small uh, universe ultimately that he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you'd almost compare that to someone like a Bo Jackson, where you go like, yeah. oh man, this guy is is kind of the the face of the sport here in in the the late late eighties, and then. You look at his numbers and you go, he didn't have a great career. He had a great few seasons where he was a superstar, but career-wise, you know, falls short. Well, I'll sew it back into the the draft a little bit. And Danny Montgomery being on the show this week, and, and the kid they took second with the, with their second pick out of the University of Florida, uh, the the outfielder who really hit, who has ties to Colorado and his favorite player growing up was Troy Tulowitzki. Troy Tulowitzki would have been a Hall of Famer had he not dealt with so many injuries um, that that really derailed what would have been a Hall of Fame career. He would have hit 350 to 450 homers. He would have, you know, a big physical shortstop. I don't have to go over his resume. He was he was a Hall of Famer. He had he had Hall of Fame talent, but won't ever make it because the injuries uh, shortened his career significantly. Yeah, that that's that's one of the biggest what ifs. It, I think in all of Denver sports, right? Is 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 that guy? Um, that that was very much a shame. Did you get a chance to reach out, or at least, I'm sure you at least congratulated Matt on his son Jackson Holiday going yeah. first overall to the the Baltimore Orioles? That just a great story. You gotta love that. Yeah, it's it, it's great. I, I I sent Matt a congratulatory text for you know he and Leslie and 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 obviously Jackson. I mean he's the one who's doing it. And you know we're gonna you and I are gonna be sitting here, Patrick, three years from now, and we're gonna have the exact same conversation because I'm telling you, Ethan Holiday has a chance to go one. He's gonna be a first round. I I I will mark mark my word. Barring anything unforeseen, and I would hate to see that happen. He's a kid. Ethan Holiday will be a first-round pick and could be at the top of the first round when when the draft takes place in three years. And I'll just tell you very quickly, in their lineup at Stillwater High this year, Jackson hit third. Ethan, who was a freshman, hit fourth. Ethan is, is bigger and, and more physical than Jackson. Um, just body type wise, Jackson at 17 homers, which is absurd, as we know, in a high school season. Ethan, as a freshman, hit 11. Oh, my God. Right. Wow. And in talking to Matt privately, you know, obviously he's proud of all his children, but he's he, he told me this when when, you know, Ethan was eight years old and Jackson was 11 years old. He goes, Ethan's, the you know, the terror. You know, he's he's like he's going to be a giant. He's going he's going to be more like physically like Matt. I mean, Jackson Jackson's accommodations, but built probably right now more like Leslie. Yeah, a lot of uh, there's always a lot of children of former ball players, but it's very much you know front load. Even even a couple of football players, right? Kumar Rocker's dad Tracy, you know, played in the NFL and. Uh, Elijah Green's father, Eric Green, you know, a two-time Pro Bowler with the Steelers. You also had—I don't know if you saw this. Uh, this this popped across my screen recently. Silas Ardwan, son of Danny Ardwan, yeah. Danny, was, yeah, uh, on day three. Yeah, and cool. I, I remember when Danny's son um, went to—he um, went to LSU, right, or Texas? Where did he go? Texas. Um, he went to Texas, but I remember we came down to LSU in Texas because he's from Louisiana. And I remember he was one of the top high school products in the country coming out. And uh, I'm happy for Danny. I haven't talked to him in, in several years, but Danny, Danny, good guy, really good guy. And, and so it's, it's neat to see his son, um, you know, go where he did as well. Another kid from Texas, Skylar Messenger, drafted by the Rockies, a kid who grew up in, in Niwot, so you like uh, that kind of story, as you touched on before with Sterling Thompson, 
the the second pick, the thirty first overall pick for the Rockies, was born in Longmont. Uh, you know, raised raised in Florida, but still born in Longmont. So uh, that's kind of a, a fun little story going on there. And and the first overall pick, tenth uh, overall in the draft, but first for the Rockies, Gabriel Hughes. You know, Rockies really like that, and and Danny Montgomery obviously talks about that. Uh, the product of uh, his grandfather played uh, minor league baseball in the '60s, apparently for like the Cubs and the Tigers. But Gabriel Hughes, what do you what do you like about this guy? Other than I'm hearing some comparisons to a guy like John Gray. Well, he's going to focus just on one thing right now, and that's pitching because he was a two way guy. He pitched on a really good staff. I don't know if you noticed this before Gonzaga hurlers went in the first, or not in the first round, but went in the draft. Uh, over over the last several days, I listen to certain people and trust certain people like you do. Danny Montgomery is at the top of that list for me, and I've known Danny for a long, long time. And makeup and desire are are really big to me. There are people with talent all the time that don't see their talent through because their drive doesn't match what was given to them potentially. And when you have, I guess, the greatest example or the, the most, uh, you know, or the, the easiest and most noteworthy example would be Michael Jordan in basketball. Extremely gifted, right? Freakish, freakish talent. But his drive was better than everybody else's also. So when you have this kind of talent and this kind of drive, and so you get the greatest ever. Um, this young man finished college in three years. Um, he has, he, he has a really good present in, in that, you know, plus fastball plus slider off the chart makeup and evidently off the chart desire. So, um, uh, it, that's the kind of guy you want to draft high in the first round. So let's see how it, how it turns out, Patrick, again, stuff we've talked about, stuff you've talked about, even when I'm not on in that the baseball draft is getting more attention. People are more educated on some of the names, but it but it's not the NFL draft. It's not the NBA draft because the next stop for these young men is going to be minor league baseball. It's not going to be, oh, the Cowboys drafted so-and-so out of Alabama. Now I'm watching them next autumn, you know, play for the Cowboys. That's not that's not how it works in baseball. Uh, so we'll learn over a period of time. But based on what I'm hearing, I, I think it sounds like uh, a really good pick in the in the other caveat to that pick would be what we just discussed a little while ago the rockies historically have done a good job finding really good position players and developing good position players the you know the arenados and the blackmans and the stories and, and guys that weren't necessarily first rounders you know trevor was a supplemental arenado was the second round blackman was the second round so billy schmidt and his crew and danny montgomery they've done a really good job historically they're going to be misses we understand that but it comes down to pitching man you got it they got it develop pitching more than any other club in the sport because notable free agents, Patrick, on the starting side, they ain't coming to Denver. They're not. Maybe if their careers, you know, hit a, a you know, a, a pothole and they're not, they don't have a lot of offers. Maybe they come to Denver. Chad Cool, you mentioned him earlier. That that's worked out and, and he loves it here. And hopefully maybe they can continue on a couple year deal for a guy like Chad Cool. But they have to develop their own. So I love that that's where they went in the first round and it wasn't a force pick. It was a, we love this guy pick. And, and hopefully it turns out nicely, you know, two, three, four years from now. Yeah. I think they got, they had a lot of depth. Originally I might not have been as excited with, with this crop, but the more I I dug in in deep to look at some of the players that they got again, Sterling Thompson didn't know as much about him. And as I started digging in, I'm saying, okay, I, I like this kid's makeup. Uh, I like what he can do. Those doubles can turn into home runs, certainly. And then a guy with a lot of power, and Jordan Beck, that they get third, uh, number thirty-eight overall. Uh, you know, is 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 very exciting to kind of think about what he could do at Coors Field. And then Jackson Cox, a really good young upside high school pitcher uh, at number fifty. So overall, I, I thought, you know. Don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. We know that. So I, I think they did a good job of branching out, even a couple day two picks that are that are really intriguing. So I, I think overall they they did a nice job here in in the 2022 MLB draft. Yeah, I would agree with you on paper. I, I like a lot of the things they did. I'll give you a comp with uh, the Tennessee kid uh, back to a year ago. 
um, the kid that, you know, I'm trying to claim as a, as a relative, um, Goodman, the, who, who caught at Memphis and, you know, he's playing a lot more first base now, but he has light tower power and he's already moved to Spokane. And this is a guy that can really impact the baseball, just like the Beck kid uh, with the Vols. So, and, and Hunter Goodman wasn't taken. I, I'm trying to remember what round he ended up going in fifth or something like that. Fourth, fifth, somewhere around there. So if you get a player that makes it, that was drafted in the fifth, the sixth, you know, go back to my partners, Ryan Spielboards and Corey Sullivan, integral parts of some really good Rockies teams, maybe not superstars, but integral parts drafted in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. That's how you develop um depth and and quality that helps you win more than you lose at the major league level yeah and i think with the one of the great things that this week's episode with danny montgomery does besides again it's going to get you primed for uh you know the players that that were drafted here in in, in this crop but it's going to allow you to get to know someone uh, in the rockies front office like danny montgomery just the kind of classy character that he is everything he's doing with the mvp tournament and you know it, it being inspired by buck o'neill and and it, it's important to know that the vp and assistant gm of, of scouting uh, is is a person of of class you know and as has great character and i think that that comes through really well this week yeah i don't patrick i don't know if you if you know demont um at all not too well no. yeah let me let me tell you what and, and i'll introduce you if you want next time uh, you know, he's in town because he spends his life, you know, <laughs> at fields all over uh, all over the world. And he is one of those people truly that lights up a room that when you meet him, you walk away and you're in a better space because you're like, that's a really good person. And and that's and that's Danny. And it's authentic. He's always been that way. And scouting is a people person, uh, you know, industry also. And I think for those that listen to the podcast this week, not only you get, you know, greater insight as to what the Rockies did the last few days and and what they like specifically about certain guys, especially the the guys near the top of the draft, but you'll you'll get a feel for what scouting's about, for what the Rockies, you know, front office, you know, is now under Billy Schmidt and 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 how they go about their business. And I know it's it's been easy, you know, to criticize the organization and understandably so for, for several of the things that have taken place over the years. Um, but uh, I think as a Rocky fan, when you listen to it, you'll come away and you'll feel good about the team you root for. I think last week's podcast also is a really good companion piece because, again, talking with Clint Hurdle and everything he's doing with the minor leaguers. Um, so, again, always thinking about the future and, and we know there's some really good cornerstone pieces with this team right now. So kind of combined, you're thinking about the future. Uh, those two podcasts are really good. I, I do have to know before we, we wrap up here, do you have a favorite hurdle ism? Because I feel like Clint hurdle has so many of these catchphrases. You know, I don't know if anyone's officially called them hurdle isms yet, but it should exist. That should be a term. And yeah. I know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I think we've all, you know used that, that term okay. in the past, maybe even when he was managing. Um, a couple of them I brought out on the podcast, you know, from last week. Uh, you know, there's two kinds of players, those that have been humbled, those that are about to be. Um, you know, it, it, America's pastime is not baseball. America's pastime is, is second guessing, and we have to first guess. Uh, we talked about that. And that, that's a great, great truism. I, I roll that one out. I, I borrowed that one uh, quite a bit. Um, one of my favorites, I don't know if we, I don't think we talked about it in the podcast, Patrick, but it was, you know, Clint was managing, um, you know, when, when Barry Bonds was doing all the freakish things he did, right. And had the on-base percentage over 500 and the OPS, you know, of like 6 million. Right. And so, in very, you know, we, we played the giants a lot with the Rockies and somebody invariably in the presser that you sit in every day would ask Clint about, hey, you know, how are you going to deal with Bonds? Or what about Bonds' latest exploits? He had seven home runs last week. And and Clint would uh, periodically rip off with, yeah, if he keeps this up, he's going to get called up. <laughs> right? So um, he, he has a – Clint Clint's a really bright guy. He's really quick-witted and – when when he was in that space, you know, he definitely he could definitely make you laugh. Um, some of my favorite stuff came from when he was the commissioner of fantasy camp, which he did for a number of years. 
um, even before he was a manager because it was right up his alley because you know when you run kangaroo court all you're doing is busting chops and there's a lot of material out there with you know some people who show up at fantasy camp and and even getting you know their uniform on properly was a challenge so uh clint was in his element back then and uh so yeah he, he's he's funny he's, he can be a very very entertaining oh, that's great yeah again back-to-back shows uh, as always are, are fantastic on the drew goodman podcast danny montgomery's the one this week get all you need to know about the the rockies latest draft picks here because uh, we're gonna be seeing my course field before you know it uh, so it's uh it's super important to to stay educated on on what's going on with that goody i appreciate your time as always looking forward to doing this again Next week, uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Drew Goodman 42 at DNVR underscore Rockies is where you can find all of our wonderful stuff and uh, appreciate it. We've got a lot of momentum here from this this uh, all star break. I almost called it spring break. It's, it's almost what it is, right? It's the summer break. Yeah, no, you do. You get a little bounce in your step and you get, you know, I'm looking forward to going to Milwaukee and, and hopefully the Rockies get off to a good uh, start in the second half. And then it'll be a fun week back at Coors Field also. The White Sox, a team we don't see a lot. And then, you know, and then the Dodgers, uh, a team we do see a lot, you know, roll into town and then, then it's off to San Diego. So, uh, you know, you and I will be seeing a lot of each other and, and there'll be a lot to uh, do. And uh, appreciate the time as always, brother. It sounds good, but you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.